For sure. I mean, it's at almost 90%. Uh, I think it's 33 of 37 kills. Um, yeah, that was a huge issue um, before uh, the coaching change and when, when Dave uh, Manson and Jay Woodcroft were, were running that, specifically Dave Manson. Um, yeah, it was not uh, it was not a successful uh, special team for this for this hockey club. Uh, it was at seventy percent, and I think second uh, or third to, to last in the league. So um, huge changes. And one thing that's really kind of stood out in talking to some people, and specifically, uh, or most notably Connor Brown yesterday, is just the um, having you know set pairs of forwards and and. Uh, that was something that had been broached to me, you know, when Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson were here. Was you know, there were just too many groups of guys going out and guys not knowing, you know, the the tendencies of, of their their you know forward partner. Um, under Mark Stewart and and uh, Chris Knobloch, they'd basically gone to three sets of uh, forward pairs and Leon Drysaddle taking faceoffs in a perfect world for the Oilers, him winning it and getting off the ice. So um, those guys have really bought in uh, those six forwards really bought into what they're doing, um, you know, have a bit more chemistry and cohesion. Uh, that's really helped this group, and um, and the results have, have, have followed. It's, you know, people would, would either ask me or tell me or respond to me uh, about what the problems were, uh, you know, with, with Woodcroft. And I think some of it was luck, but, I mean, the penalty kill was a problem. The goaltending wasn't yeah. great. McDavid's injury, Ekholm's injury, even Ryan McLeod's injury. It was really kind of death by paper cut, though, right? Is that for fair? sure? I mean, yeah. There were, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of things wrong and a lot of things outside of a coach's control. I think um, special teams are often something that um, uh, can be in our tribute to coaching, though, and the power play wasn't as good as it has been, and, and that's a uh, probably what was bound to happen given the success that it had last year being the best of all time. It wasn't going to, to do that again or very unlikely to. Um, penalty killing was a huge issue, but uh, a lot of things, again, were outside of the coaching staff's control. You, you look at the injuries, you look at luck. Well, hockey is a game of luck and bounces. People don't like to admit that. They like to, uh, you know, and sometimes you can outwork that and, and you can uh, will your way to, to wins and stuff like that. But uh, a lot of it is there's a good fortune that's luck and, and, and goaltending advances and things of that nature. You know, goaltending, uh, the worst save percentage in the league, the wor- second worst five-on-five shooting percentage in the league. And it's tough to, um, to outcoach those uh, types of numbers. Um, but things that, as we talked about before, uh, we're bound to improve with this hockey club, regardless of who is coaching this team. That's not to take anything away from Chris Knobloch and Paul Coffey and, and et cetera, and the job those those other coaches have done. Um, but there was always going to be, um, uh, you know, a positive uptick at some point, just because this team is never going to be this bad. So, Broberg, I I yeah. came in to do the show today, and then I had to, you know, exit stage left, and I haven't had a look of all the possibilities. But really, I think where we're looking here is a guy who, uh, I mean, the coaching staff has seen him. They obviously like their top six. He's he's not going to get in there uh, probably for a long time unless there's an injury or they lose two or three. Uh, and I, I, it sounds like, based on what the reporting is from Kevin Weeks, like this is the, the player and agent sort of shopping around. How much have you heard? Have you heard any specific team or are we just too early in the process? Yeah, I talked to somebody in the know about 10 minutes ago um, who's, you know, quite up up, on, up to speed on this. Uh, he said he's not going to be there long, quote-unquote. Uh, so I expect a trade uh, 
fairly imminently. I don't know what that specifically, you know, means in terms of how much longer, but I would not be surprised if Philip Roberg has played his last game for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, it, it's really an unfortunate situation the way I see it. I mean, let's go back to his draft. Um, it was always a kind of a puzzling pick to me um, with the Oilers kind of needing a cheap winger to play with McDavid and Drysaddle. There were lots of forwards available from that uh, USNDP excuse me the u.s program we'll call it that that was uh, right down the road from ken holland's house like it's like a 10 minute drive you must have seen these guys a zillion times um you know matthew boldy uh cole caulfield uh, trevor zegras obviously more of a center but has now kind of been shifted more to the wing but anyway lots of guys that that kind of fit uh what the Oilers were looking for and so they picked this defenseman that um very toolsy, had a lot of range great skater uh and uh it just it just hasn't worked out and part of that I think is on the organization for not kind of coming up with, with the right plan. They seemed like they had one at first, uh, leaving him in Sweden for a couple of years. And then part of that p- being pandra- pandemic driven, um, since that, since, especially the, this year and last, uh, just kind of having him being yo-yoed uh, back and forth between uh, Bakersfield and, 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 and the Oilers, not really having a plan. It was the one thing that Ken Holland pointed to um, heading into the draft that was keeping him up at night, just not having, a role for this guy, uh, not having um, uh, get him not having enough ice time, and there was nothing done to address it in the off season, and no real plan because he's been, uh, you know, mostly here at Edmonton, but again back and forth and hardly playing. He's played ten games. His ice time hasn't even hit double digits on, on average. So uh, the worst thing to happen to Philip Broberg, um, on top of all the things that we're talking about here, um, was the 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 injury to Matthias Ekholm. Yeah. Um, you know they had. A plan for him to go into the season uh, on Ekholm's right side, uh, hoping to kind of work, have Ekholm work a little bit of his magic, uh, you know, uh, similar to what happened with Evan Bouchard. And Ekholm got hurt and hit in the captain's gate and didn't participate in, in, you know, the training camp and in preseason. And uh, he ate one in Vancouver on opening night, and all of a sudden that plan goes up in smoke. And Phil Broberg has never really been in the picture since. Um, you know, Mark Stewart went over, assistant coach Mark Stewart went over to Sweden and showed him eight, seven, eight clips, all of him on the right side with his plan of, of having Philip Robert play on the right side. And that has not come to fruition here. So some of it is on Philip Robert, hasn't, you know, developed as, as well as you'd, you'd hope. But the organization has to, has to look at itself and, and, and how they've uh, treated this player too. Um, because, um, you know, whenever he's been in the lineup, it's been in a situation where he's been in a position to hopefully not fail. And, uh, you know, that's not <laughs> the, a way to kind of develop uh, what's supposed to be a good young player, you know, very high pick, eighth overall. Um, he's not really been given um, the proper uh, development path here by this organization, especially in the last year or two. Sports 1440, Lowdown with Low Tide. Daniel Nugent Bowman, our guest from The Athletic, breaking news about four minutes into the conversation. That's my fault. The dumbass host should have asked about Broberg at the beginning, but that's great. <laughs> that That is news. And what I find interesting when you say that about, you know, that he's not going to be there long, it suggests that there is real interest. Like the teams are, are aware of his potential, if not what he's delivered. Yeah, I think there's that. Uh, to, your, to your point, there's potential. Um, it's 2019 that he was picked eighth overall so we're, we're not too far out still in his early 20s um and he's cheap right um he's at the end of, a, of an entry-level contract the last year of it 
Um, but you know, player that, you know, 860 something, um, you know, under 900,000 bucks. Um, yeah. And there are bonuses attached. Um, so teams that are in LTIR there, you know, it could be taking on a bit more uh, money um, based on their, on their, uh, on their pool and stuff like that. But, but generally speaking, a, a young player and one that on his next contract screams kind of a bridge deal on a cheap, on a cheap contract. So you're kind of, it's almost kind of like he's at the start of an entry level deal for a, for a team, right? Like he's got this year, probably get him two years at, at a very low rate. Um, so you have time to work with this player. So um, yeah, that, I think there's potential for Philip Roberg. There's, there's interest from other teams, um, but what the Oilers are going to get back, you know, given their cap situation, they want a player uh, would be something kind of similar to Broberg kind of I don't want to call it a reclamation project that's that's not fair but it say a young player with with some upside but somebody who hasn't kind of uh, actualized on that potential um you know it's 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 a tough trade to make um because the Oilers are supposed to be in this in this win now mode and, and you're getting somebody who um whether it's a forward or a defenseman they're probably isn't especially if it's a defenseman like they seem to have their top six set in place barring injury um so if it's a young forward maybe there's a little bit more room for that guy but uh who that player is i'm not entirely sure but that's kind of the trade i think you're looking at here and now i'm going to ask you to project a little bit here daniel this is not a fair question but (laughs) ken well that's what i ask so uh ken holland was he the, the 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 word bubble around Edmonton in March of 2019 never included Broberg. Holland arrives, and then by June, before the draft, Broberg is the number one word in the bubble. And Ken Holland drove a lot of that. He talked about Broberg before the draft. They drafted Broberg. My feeling always was that it was more of a Detroit-style pick. Uh, Swedish defenseman, big, kind of raw, lanky, speedy, would develop as a hockey player but was a real athlete. Do you think, and I'm, I'm projecting so you can tell me I'm wrong and it'll be fine, but do you think this might be a reflection of Jeff Jackson and his team having a little more control of things and the Broberg protection that Holland might have been able to offer no longer holding sway? Um, it's tough to answer that. I, I think you're kind of just looking at a player who's now in his, uh, what, fifth season after being drafted and not really making much headway in this organization. So um, it, it, that, one, that one's tough. I mean, a good young, like, Big, well skating Swedish defenseman. Now, you know his his um, flaws. I think are maybe decision making, uh, physicality, um, maybe passing. You know, but you know there should be enough there to be a top four defenseman in this league. And again, being young and cheap and and all that, it, it's not something I, I, I. And especially, you know, the, to your point about Ken Holland really, um, uh, really valuing this player, and, and I've mentioned that too. I don't think that's something that he'd, he'd necessarily, uh, you know, not really buying Philip Roberts' plane ticket out of town. I, I think there's, um, you know, the, the if the option was really there to, to kind of keep him around and develop this player, but I think you're just kind of running out of time, running out of room, and and I think um, it, it's like it's a case where, the, as you mentioned, like the. Uh, the representative uh, for, for for Broberg is really tr- trying to give him a fresh start, right? So I think there's um, a bit more 
of a uh, willingness uh, from management to do so, whether that's Ken Holland or, or above him and, and, and Jeff Jackson. But, um, uh, you know, I think if it was a perfect situation, they keep him here longer. But uh, time is kind of nearing the end, I think, for, for the Broberg era here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this question the way it gets asked to me on the, on the text machine, okay? Sure. What about the goalie situation? What about the goalie situation? What about the goalie situation? <laughs> what about the goalie situation? Well, uh, I don't have as much on that as the Broberg uh, one, but I will say, like, we're starting to see some some more better players, Stuart, uh, Stuart Skinner. Uh, now, the telling thing for me yesterday was when Chris Black really said that he wants two goalies here. And I don't, with due respect to Calvin Pickard, um, I don't think he's that other goalie, right? He's a, a third stringer who's who's helping out this organization and, and doing the best he can. Um, something's going to need to be done at some point. Like, there's been a lot of talk about um, uh, Jack Campbell coming up. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. I think that will happen at some point in the nearish future, as long as he doesn't completely. Um, you know, fall on his face in Bakersfield. I, I, he started, you know, terribly slowly there, uh, picked it up. And, uh, but I, 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 you know, in a perfect world, I, I think you're leaving him there longer to, to kind of get his game uh, back in a, in, a, in a much better place. Cause there's, there's, you know, a weak goal allowed the other night. Um, there's still more, I, I think he can do there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're going to have to do something. I, I mean, I, I, I think, another goaltender, whoever that is, is going to get a start on this homestand. So the Oilers have six games and they play every second night. Theoretically, Stuart Skinner will be, uh, he could start every one of those games. I don't think that's going to happen. So whether that's Calvin Pickard, whether that's Jack Campbell, whether that's goaltender from another team that they're going to acquire, I think another goaltender will make a start on this homestand at some point. So um, that's maybe not as imminent as, as uh, the Phil Broberg <laughs> trade based on what, like the information I had, but but it, it, I think <clears throat> it's imminent enough that something has to happen uh, relatively soon. So um, I don't, you know, the fans are screaming for another goaltender, and I get that. Um, I, it, it all kind of goes back to what we talked about, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks. Al, it's just who is that guy and how you're going to get him in on on the cap. So it's either a really cheap guy, you know, whether that's, you know, James Reimer or uh, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood or somebody like that. I, I think Blackwood's ticket's pretty low. Or else you have to move Jack Campbell to get that player um, in and fit him in under the roster. Or there's a, a scenario, I mean, like to me, the, the three guys that have value that can be moved um, and have contracts that are helpful enough to be moved are Warren Fogel, Cody Cece, uh, Brett Kulak. So now you're talking about trading Philip Roberg and if it's Kulak or Cece, another sense, you know, so I, I really, I really think it has to be Jack Campbell and we've gone over what the price would be to jettison that, that player, that contract for the amount of term and the amount of money left on it. That's a big, big, big dose, uh, <laughs> dose of uh, Buckley's or whatever to swallow. So um, <laughs> it's, it's not an enviable uh, situation for Oilers management, but like they, they can't have Stuart Skinner play uh, like six out of every seven games or, or as he's done for, for um, Chris Knobloch so far, eight out of nine. And that number is going to keep going. Like he, he, he needs a bit of a rest. And, and if you want him to be the goaltender 
that you think he can be and, and to kind of come closer to last year's Stuart Skinner, he, he needs he needs some time off. So uh, something has to happen soon, and I think it will. Uh, what that solution is, I'm not entirely sure. But, again, I think something will happen in, in the next, uh, we'll say, a week or so. Two, two times during our conversation, somebody has blown their horn. Is it at you? Are you standing somewhere in dangerous? I'm in, I'm in the bowels of, of the arena. So, uh, yes, there are people moving stuff around. I tried to. I thought I found a quiet place, but <laughs> all of a sudden, all I hear is beep, beep, beep. And I guess you can, too, did, <laughs> your did, listeners, so I apologize. No, that. no, that's okay. D- did you get any time off, though? Because I always worry about you and the other uh, reporters during the winter because sometimes, it, you know, it can get pretty intense. You might be the only other, the only person I've ever heard say that they're worried about uh, the reporters <laughs> here in Edmonton. Nobody cares about us. Um, yeah, actually, I took I took a rare weekend off, uh, so that was nice. I teamed in practice Friday and Saturday. Um, I decided to uh, not go to practice yesterday because they were still practicing. Sorry, it was Sunday because uh, they were still practicing yesterday and and today before uh, starting their their long homestand here. So, um, yeah, what what did we do? We uh, we went to playgrounds. We, you know, did all the, the fatherly type uh, activities. So I wouldn't really call it a true break, but it, it, you know, it was close enough. It, it was it was as but as close to a break as you can you can have these days. Did you go for ice cream? Uh, no, we did not go for ice cream. We have some at home. I'm okay. doing the the dad the dad cheapskate thing, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, my my uh, my three and a half year old has has gotten to the point where she can mostly eat ice cream but she's not like crazy about it she'll she'll have a few bites and not and not uh, be thrilled with it but it, the good thing about it being winter is it doesn't melt everywhere yes uh yes. last summer we i i had my own ice cream and then she had two little licks of it and decided she so i was double fisting ice cream cones which is at uh at my age is uh is, is not the best thing for for me you knocked off 10 or 15 years off my life then uh then uh, they would be fine. I, I go for two ice creams, but uh, no, I shouldn't be having shouldn't be having <laughs> two ice creams uh, in a row. So uh, I try to watch when I when and how much ice cream I, I give her. Yeah, I know that feeling. I just got a piece of pie from Gregor, so I'm gonna have the same problem right now. Uh, Dan- <laughs> Daniel, thank you. Appreciate it.